Since moving here to Georgetown, I've gotten into the world of beekeeping. And I've got a couple of beehives at my house. And I love the adventure of bees and particularly the reward of the honey. Now, earlier this spring, I only had one beehive. I had built another one, but no bees were in the hive. And so I was interested in getting some more bees to fill up my second beehive so I could have two bee colonies. That was kind of my goal. And so one day early in the spring, Caden comes home from school, from high school, and he says to me, I hear that there is a swarm of bees in the school parking lot, and I think it's right by where I park my car. And so I met immediately began to think, this is my opportunity to do my civic duty. I'll just go to the school and get those bees and put them in my beehive and save all these students the risk of being stung by these bees. And so I asked Caden, you want to go up with me and try to get the bees out of the school parking lot? He said, no, Dad, you're on your own on this one. He could not imagine attending his dad up there in the bee suit. And so that was not very cool to him. But I got the ladder. I got the bee suit and all the equipment. I drove up to school that evening. And sure enough, I found the, the swarm of bees about the size of a small watermelon hanging out of a tree. And uh, there they are hanging out there in the parking lot. And so I climb up that ladder. I got my bee suit on. And I shake those bees into a cardboard box. Most of the bees go into the box. Some of the bees are all over me. Some of them are on the ground. It's a little bit scary in that moment. But I get the bees into the box, get the queen in the box. As the sun goes down, all the bees just march right into that box. After the sun goes down, I close the box lid. I put them in my truck. I drive home. The next morning, I dump those bees inside my beehive. And now I've got a thriving bee colony. I got two bee colonies. I go out there and look at those bees and I think about the honey that's going to be harvested next year because of those bees. And when I see and think about that, it makes the stings that I encountered getting those bees worth it. And I know next year when I taste that honey, those multiple stings, they started crawling up my pant legs. I mean, it's a little bit difficult in the school parking lot, bees crawling up their pants and knowing you can't do anything about it. It was not a good moment. But I know that when I taste that honey, not going to be a big deal. I love things as sweet as honey, and I bet you do too. It's part of the way we are designed and made. We have tastes, and the taste of things sweet encourage us to eat certain things that provide the carbohydrates we need for our lives. Our tastes also are um, associated with things sour, like we taste things that are sour, things that are sweet, things that are sour are sour to us because it's supposed to encourage us not to eat things that could potentially be harmful. And so we have the sour taste as well. Now, if you know anything about candy, you know that candy companies have capitalized on the fact that we have an aversion towards things sour, and yet we still like to taste it, at least for a little bit. Maybe you've tried some of the latest sour candy. You put that in your mouth, and it can be for a few moments almost painful to keep in your mouth because it's so sour, it makes you want to just spit it out. Well, a few years ago, I did a children's sermon, and I used as an illustration some of the sour candy. I put a piece of sour candy in my mouth, and the kids saw me react to that. They thought it was hilarious because it was very hard to keep it in my mouth. My face made, you know, different faces because it was difficult to have in my mouth and they thought it was great. Well, what I did in the children's service, I gave every kid a piece of that candy to take home and under their parents' supervision to eat that candy. And I asked them if they would be so kind as to have their parents video that moment and send me the videos so that I could see what that was like for the kiddos. I thought it was a great idea. 
Little did I know that these little kids, I mean three, four, and five-year-olds, would go home, their parents would be videoing, they'd put the candy in their mouth. Literally, this was one of the funniest moments in my pastoring experiences. But I did feel kind of bad about it because some of these little kids put the candy in their mouth and they were trying so hard to keep it in their mouth the entire time that some of them started crying because it hurt so bad. And they'd say things like, why is Pastor Kevin so mean as to give us this candy? You know, now the kids that hung in there long enough, and it wasn't but for a few moments, but if they hung in there long enough through the sour and the pain of that moment, they would get to something very sweet that lasted much longer. And I'm certain for those little kids, they believed more than ever that there was nothing like something sweeter than honey. Now today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 10. So let's look at that. We're going to read the whole chapter together. Remember, we've come out of Revelation chapter 9 where we saw the sounding of the sixth trumpet. And now we're kind of in a couple visions between the sounding of the sixth trumpet and the sounding of the seventh trumpet. So we've got a little interlude here before the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And so let's read chapter 10 together. And I saw another strong angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow about his head, and his face was as the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. Having in his hand a little book which was opened, and he placed his right foot upon the sea, and his left upon the earth, and he cried out in a great voice like a roaring lion, And when he had cried out, seven thunders spoke with their voices. And when the seven thunders had spoken, I was about to write down, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders said, and do not write the things down. And the angel, which I saw standing on the sea and on the earth, raised his right hand to the heavens. And he swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all the things in them, and the earth and all the things in it, and the sea and all the things in it, that there will be no more delay. Because in those days, the voice of the seven angel, when it is about to sound, the mystery of God is accomplished, just as he proclaimed to his servants, the prophets. The voice which I heard from heaven again spoke with me, saying, go and take the book which is opened in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel, saying to him, Give to me the little book. And he said to me, Take and devour it. It will make your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little book, from the hand of the angel, and I ate it. 
And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. But when I ate it, my stomach became sour. And they said to me, you must again prophesy concerning many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now when this angel appears... We don't know the angel's identity, but it is clear from the very beginning of this vision that this particular angel has unparalleled authority compared to the other angels that we've seen so far. This angel shows up and his appearance displays authority. He has his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land. He is saying, I have authority over all the earth. And what I'm about to say is incredibly important. In fact, when his voice booms out like a roaring lion, it secures the fact that what's coming has authority and importance like maybe nothing else John has heard. Have you ever heard a lion roar? Now, I've never been living in a tent in the middle of the African plains and been out there by myself and heard the roar of a lion. I think that would scare me to death. But I did, when I was growing up, uh, visit my great-grandparents who lived in Merkel, Texas, of all places. And when I was visiting them one time as a kid, I actually heard in town a lion roar. And much to my delight, I discovered that there was a resident in town about two weeks, two blocks from my great-grandparents' house who had a pet lion. And so that was pretty amazing. I'd go down there and hear the lion roar. It's amazing. If if you've heard a lion roar, it's one of the loudest roars. It is the loudest roar in the species of cats. It's amazing. The lion roar, and you will hear it five miles away. That means if today, right now, after church, when you walk out in the parking lot, if there was a lion loose over at HEB on Williams, and it roared, you would hear it before you got in the car. I mean, it goes five miles. If you were standing right next to a lion and it roared in your ear for about 30 seconds, you'd have permanent hearing loss. It's that loud. John hears the voice of this prominent angel as a lion roaring. It has arrested his attention. He is ready to listen. And the next thing that happens after the booming voice of this angel, these seven thunders crack in the heavens reverberating through the heavens and now John is ready to listen and and understand in these seven thunders there come these voices in the thunder that are carrying a message now John has already listened to the message of God through seven seals and six trumpets and now he's had the seven roars and there are message in each of those roars and he's ready to write them down his attention is piqued because of the appearance of this angel and these thunders sound and he's ready to write it down and God says no you're not going to write down what you just heard it's one more reminder that revelation is full of mysteries some that are clear some that we'd like to think we understand some things about but maybe we're not quite sure and others that we absolutely have no idea what's going on the seven thunders is one of those mysteries we do not know and we cannot know. Only John heard the message in the seven thunders. And we are not given the privilege of knowing that mystery. What does that mean? That what was coming 
through the angel was far more significant than what we are not able to see. We're just reminded once again to focus our attention on the things that are clear in Revelation because those are the things that Jesus intends us to see about himself and his plans that secure our hearts for what's happening right now in our lives. So John is ready to hear and the voice of the angel booms out swearing by the Lord God, the creator of all things, and he communicates, there will be no more delay. This is the message that perhaps so far in all of Revelation is the most important message. There will be no more delay. Delay. The time of delaying the final judgment of Jesus Christ upon the sin of the world has come. And now is the beginning of the end. And the mystery of God in the message of the gospel that was begun being proclaimed by the prophets has been told through all the Old Testament history is unveiled in the person of Christ is communicated by the apostles and held high by the church has now come to a point where all of what God intended in the person of Christ will be fully accomplished this is the moment where sin will be no more this is the moment where death will end. This is the moment where there will be no more pain and eternal life will be instituted forever and ever. This is the moment of final redemption. And the angel is proclaiming when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, this marks the moment where the end of the delay comes and the mystery of the gospel is fully accomplished forever. John sees that angel holding this little book. And he is told by the voice in heaven, the one that sounds like a trumpet, go and take that little book. I can imagine John walking up to this angel, a display of unbelievable authority, and saying to the angel, I'm going to take that book, give it to me. I'm sure that that statement sounded a whole lot more like a question than a command. Give me that book. John takes that book and much to his surprise, that angel says to John, you are to devour that little book. So John takes that little book and he begins to eat it. He's already been told what's going to happen. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Every bite of that little book in his mouth is as sweet as honey. But by the time he's done eating that little book, The sweet honey taste in his mouth, in his stomach, has turned to sour. You ever had an experience like that? When Caden was little, about five or six years old, we were celebrating someone's birthday, and we'd all gone out to eat together. Lindley's family was in town. It was a big family deal. And after supper, we all ordered dessert. Now, Caden, at that time, five or six years old, sitting down by his grandpa, he calls his granddad Big Daddy. And so he's sitting down by Big Daddy, and Big Daddy orders a a big cake and ice cream for dessert. 
big, massive chocolate cake, super rich, lots of ice cream. And Caden's sitting next to Big Daddy. Here's Big Daddy. Make that order. And he's looking at him saying, well, I want what Big Daddy's getting. So he orders him a big old cake, lots of ice cream. So they both get their cake and ice creams delivered to the table, sitting down in front of them. And Big Daddy, he likes his food. And so he starts digging into that dessert at Big Daddy pace. Well, Caden looks at Big Daddy eating that cake and he thinks, I can do that. I can keep up with my Big Daddy. And so he starts trying to eat that cake at the same pace as his grandpa. You see where this is going? He eats, he devours that whole cake and all the ice cream. And I'm telling you right now, every bite was sweet as honey in his mouth. But the moment he got in the car, the first words out of his mouth to his mama was, Mama, Mama, my stomach is hurting so bad. I feel sick. And so he immediately experienced something sweet as honey that in his stomach turned sour. You ever been there? Ever done anything like that? Well, I've got to confess to you, a couple months ago, we as a family decided to go to Baskin Robbins. Did you know on the 31st of the month, you can get a scoop of ice cream at Baskin Robbins for $1.31? You didn't know either? Me either. The moment I found out, I'm like, every 31st of every month that has 31 days, it's on my calendar. We're going to Baskin Robbins. $1.31 a scoop. It's a cheap date night. So we load up the family, we go to Baskin Robbins, and everybody in the family orders their scoop of ice cream. And it comes to me, I'm ordering last because, of course, i got to pay the bill. And so I'm there to order my ice cream, and the lady serving the ice cream says, what flavor would you like? And I can't decide between two flavors. They both sound amazing and wonderful to me, and I tell her, I'm trying to decide between two different flavors. She goes, why decide? Have both. It's only $1.31 a scoop. I'm like... You are brilliant. I'm getting two scoops. And I got two scoops. I went back to the family. They go, what flavor did you get? And I said, well, I got this flavor and this flavor. And I'm all excited about it. I begin to eat that ice cream. And I'm going as sweet as honey in my mouth. And everybody in the family is done with their one scoop. And I'm still eating my second scoop. And by the time I'm done, now keep in mind, this particular time, Lindley and I had been on a very low sugar diet for about 45 days or so. So here I am pounding two big scoops from Baskin Robbins after being on low sugar for 45 days. I'm going to tell you right now, it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but it ripped my gut apart. Not a good moment. The apple does not fall far from the tree. After John experienced that, sweet as honey, in his mouth, sour to the stomach. He was told, you need to proclaim the message you have devoured concerning many people. John was told in light of the fact that there's coming a day where there will be no more delay. When the gospel will be accomplished, that he was to devour the message of God and proclaim the message of God. Do you realize when we read Revelation chapter 10 that we are privileged with the same vision that John was given? We have seen that there is a day coming when the delay will end and the gospel will be accomplished and the mystery will be no more. 
in, in light of the fact that we have seen the same message, I want to encourage us to follow John's example, to devour the word given to us, and to proclaim that message. A message that is both sweet as honey and sour to the stomach. You, you realize our gospel message is sweet and it is sour. The gospel is sweet as honey in the sense that when we decide to follow Jesus Christ and we give our lives to him and we trust him as Lord and Savior that we are forgiven of all our sins. Every sin you've ever done, ever will do, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. That is sweet as honey. It is easy. It's a gift. God gives it to you. You are completely forgiven forever. But the same gospel is sour in the sense that every sin for which we are forgiven. God intends for us to leave that sin behind and to pursue a far better way of living. That's called repentance. To turn away from the sinful actions for which I have been forgiven through faith in Christ. And it is not easy to turn away from sinful behavior. It is really easy to receive forgiveness for my sinful behavior, but my forgiveness has not been given so that I simply might enjoy forgiveness. No, forgiveness has been given so that I might then leave that sin behind and live a better way than that sin. Repentance is hard. It's demanding. It's challenging. Is difficult. Our gospel is sweet as honey in the sense that when we are forgiven of all our sin, do you know that we then are in a position that we will experience zero shame before God for any of the sins we have committed? We are so forgiven by God that when we stand before God, we have nothing for which to give an account except the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have no shame from any of our sin ever. We are free from all shame, sweet as honey. But that same gospel is sour in the sense that when we are forgiven of all our sin and we know that someday when we stand before God, we will not feel the shame of our sin because Jesus paid the price. We still feel the shame of our sin oftentimes even though we've been forgiven. And you know how you move past the feeling of shame in your sin? God has designed that the journey out of shame from sin for any individual to be experienced through the context of the body of Christ. 
See, the gospel is sweet as honey in the sense that our shame is gone, but it's sour in the sense that we've got to admit shameful things to some of the people around us who are following Christ so that we can walk away from that shame with help because it's very, very difficult to walk away from the feeling of this shame of your sin without help. That's hard. Our gospel is sweet as honey because it's a promise to everyone that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But it's sour in the sense that Unless people hear about Christ, they cannot believe. So we must tell them. That's hard. Do you you recognize how difficult it is to tell people about Jesus Christ and how crazy it is that it is difficult? It doesn't make one bit of sense when you think about the message we have to share and how amazing it is. It doesn't make sense to think about the fact that this amazing message is actually hard to share. Unless you remember that we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. The forces of evil are standing against the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ that would set people free. And so it is difficult and sometimes our fear of what they may think or our fear of failure, our fear of rejection stands as a great obstacle to sharing the truth. People must hear from us. That is hard work. Sweet as honey, everyone who hears has a chance to believe and be saved. Sour to the stomach in the sense that unless we tell them, how will they believe? Our gospel is sweet as honey. Because people who hear, some will believe and they will be saved. And we will be the aroma of life to them. And there is nothing like seeing someone come to meet Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through your proclamation of the gospel. It is amazing. Sweet as honey. But it's sour in the sense that there are some people we tell about Jesus Christ that will not accept Christ. And that is heartbreaking. People you love and you care about and you long to come to Christ. They may reject Jesus. That is so hard. Our gospel is sweet as honey in the sense that there is coming a day when the mystery of the gospel will be accomplished in salvation. We will be redeemed. But it's sour in the sense that someday the mystery of the gospel will be accomplished In judgment, Jesus Christ says, unless you repent, you will perish. And that whole perishing thing is sour to the stomach. That's hard. Our gospel is sweet and our gospel is sour. But we must be a people who devour it completely. We must declare the mercies of God, sweet as honey, but we must not shrink back from declaring the fact that judgment is real and it is coming. We must devour the book of the gospel completely. It's the only way it works. I'll never forget the first time I went to China. 
I was sitting around the group of teachers that we had met. We were up in this remote village, kind of third world conditions, and these teachers had invited this small group of folks that had gone over to China to go out to eat at a restaurant. Now, when you think restaurant, you're not thinking about what I sat in. It was barely a building. And the food that they served, from Americans' perspective, barely food. I mean, it was a rough situation. Here's the deal. The teachers ordered all the food for their special guests. And so whatever they ordered, we had to eat, regardless. I'm going to tell you right now, some of it was pretty good. Some of it would turn your stomach. And you, I mean, one of the things that I ate was like this pig stomach salad. They'd taken pig stomach, they cut it into ribbons so that it looked a little bit like pasta, which is kind of what I thought I was eating at first. But it was actually ribbons of pig stomach made into a salad served cold. Not a good moment. But here's the thing. Everything that's set before you, you ate because you risked offending and you risked losing relationship. It's just like the gospel. There are elements of it that are sweet as honey, but there are elements of it that are really hard. We must be people who devour the message of God because unless you devour it completely, you will never be able to proclaim it the way God intends it to be proclaimed. So I want to encourage you in your devouring of God's Word to create a regular pattern of ingesting God's Word. Did you know that we don't have a problem eating physical food? You know that, right? Like we eat at least three meals a day, most of us. And we remember to do that regularly because our bodies are hungry and our bodies are telling us time to eat. And we respond to what our bodies are saying and we eat. Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, that man cannot survive on bread alone, but that we must eat the words of God. In the same way, when we eat physical food, it breaks down in our body and fuels our bodies. So it is when we ingest the Word of God with our minds and our hearts that it then breaks down into our lives and fuels our lives. Jesus wants us to see that it is more important to eat spiritual food than it is to eat physical food. And I'm telling you, we don't have a lot of problem remembering to eat physical food, right? We, we know that if we don't eat food or drink water, we, we're not going to last long. We'd go without water in perfect conditions. We'd go without water, you can last three days. Perfect conditions. You go without food, you're going to last about 21 days. You, you mess with any of the conditions whatsoever, and your time greatly decreases to the point where if you're in really bad conditions, you can't live for more than a few hours without food, water, and shelter. Do you recognize that right now we are living in a harsh spiritual environment? The attacks of the enemy are real all around us. The temptation to sin are constantly knocking on our lives to knock us down and take us out of being an effective witness for Jesus Christ. We live in an incredibly harsh environment and we cannot survive without eating God's Word on a regular basis. We cannot make it going day after day after day without ingesting the Word of God. The way God has designed our bodies to work requires physical food. Sometimes we forget that the way God designed our bodies was to live on more than physical food. Our lives cannot survive without ingesting the Word of God. This is a matter of life and death. 
And I want to encourage you to create a pattern in your life of devouring God's Word. You know, if you haven't eaten all day yesterday, like if for some reason you got busy and just forgot to eat, I can promise you this. Today, if you're here this morning and you didn't eat at all yesterday, I promise you this, you're having a hard time focusing on the sermon because you're thinking about food because I'm talking about it so much. Like everything in you is crying out for food. You're not going to go much longer. You're going to eat. You're not going to think to yourself, well, I forgot to eat yesterday. Man, I probably don't deserve food. So I'm just not going to eat today either. You don't think that way. But I have heard people say to me, I have not been reading God's word. I'm not sure that I deserve for God to work in my life. I've not been reading God's word. It's just too hard to get back into it. They say crazy things about being sustained by spiritual food. And the reality is what we've all got to do is take the mentality we take with food every day. You know, when I go to bed every night, one of the things I think about, I don't know if you're like this, but when I go to bed every night, one of the things I think about is what I'm going to eat for breakfast. I'm just wired like that. I love breakfast, and every night I'm thinking about, man, I can't wait to eat breakfast in the morning. So every single day, I start over eating food. Every day, start over eating food because I know I need it. I can't live without it. So every day, I just start over. Doesn't matter what I ate yesterday, I'm starting over today. It doesn't matter what you did with God's word yesterday, start over today. And then start over again tomorrow. And then start over again the next day. And keep starting over the rest of your life and feast on the word of God. And if you need help, we, in this church we have the equivalent of coaches, trainers, instructors, nutritionists, dietitians. We, we got help here. If you don't know where to start, what to do, we've got help all around you. Just, just seek out the help. We want to help you devour God's word. Because if you don't devour it, you cannot proclaim it. When you think about proclaiming it, let me just give you a couple things you need to do. First of all, you need to make sure you're praying for the people in your life to whom you can proclaim the gospel. You need to begin to love them and show them the demonstration of truth. You need to prepare a story to share with them how God has changed your life. Pray for them, love them, prepare to share a story, then start sharing that story. And when somebody responds to the gospel, celebrate that response. When somebody does not respond to the gospel, trust that God sees more than you see. I shared the gospel with somebody once, years and years ago, and it was 10 years later, this individual contacted me and said, I want you to know, 10 years ago, you shared the gospel with me. It was a pivotal moment in me coming to Christ, but it was one of many steps I had to take, and I just wanted you to know I did decide to follow Christ. 10 years, I didn't know. Celebrate the moments you can see and trust the moments you can't. The gospel is sweet gospel is sour. We need to devour it. We need to proclaim it. You know that candy that I gave to the kids? It was sour first and then sweet. We like that a lot better than sweet and then sour. Think about the movies you like. Movies you like are always starting if there's anything sour going on, they better end sweet. Movie that ends sour, you're like, I'm not watching that again. That's a ripoff. You know, you don't like that. None of us like that. We want to end Sweet, and yet the gospel is sweet to the mouth and souring to the stomach, but it is so much more than that. Are you familiar with the children's book? That's good, no, that's bad. If, you, if you've not read that or read that to a kid, your grandkid, 
um, somebody around you that would love children's book, I encourage you to get that book. Let me give you a little taste of that book. One day, a little boy went to the zoo with his mother and father. They bought him a shiny red balloon. It lifted him high into the sky. Wow. Oh, that's good. No, that's bad. The balloon drifted for miles and miles until it came to a hot, steamy jungle. It broke on the branch of a tall, prickly tree. Pop. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. So you get the idea. So the little boy in the book has this grand adventure, and he finally ends up back with his parents at the zoo, safe and sound. And the last page of the book says, oh, that's good. No, that's great. So in the spirit of that book, God has promised us there is a day coming when the delay will come to an end and all his promises will be fulfilled. That's good, sweet as honey. No, that's bad, sour to the stomach. Because we are still living in the delay right now. In the midst of all the brokenness and difficulty, the temptations and sinfulness of our world, that's bad. No, that's good. Because we're able to share the gospel with everyone around who we live, proclaiming the hope of Christ until that final day. That's good. No, that's bad. Because the delay will end like a thief in the night in judgment will come. That's bad. No, that's good. When the delay comes to an end, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be saved once and for all, made brand new forever. Our tears will be wiped away. Death will be no more, and there will be no more sin or pain ever again. That's good. No. That's great. We live in the delay. For the gospel is sweet and the gospel is sour. Devour the word and proclaim the word. And someday soon, we will pass through all bitterness and all we will know forever is sweet as honey and there is nothing sweeter than eternal life in Jesus Christ.